it is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino at chumbacasino.com. Choose from hundreds of social casino-style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello and welcome to the Middlesex County Cricket League podcast. My name's Dan Huff from Twickenham Cricket Club. As usual, I'm joined by two guests this evening. First of all, um, our relevant MCCL uh, statistician, Salman Ali from North London. How are you, Sal? I'm good, thanks, Dan. Good, 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 good. And very pleased to have, well, I think we can probably say an MCCL legend. I'm not sure we'd like the term, but um, um, more or less everybody in the league will, will know our guest this evening. That's um, Luke Stoughton from Ealing. Um, evening, Luke. Hey, guys. How are you doing? We're all fine and dandy. Um just going to sort of get get things up and running here. I mean, Sal watches an awful lot of cricket in the MCCL. He knows his way around it. Do, do, do you want to get the ball rolling here, Sal? If I say Luke Stein to you, what, what do you think of? Oh, we're talking about a CV that many players can dream of, really. Um, nine times league title winner with Ealing and Winchmore Hill. Um, even standard trophy winner as a captain and player. Play for the Wiltshire MCC, uh, minor county side. And also a regular play for the MCC um yeah an absolute legend in my eyes great bloke as well and it's really good to have him on this week so we'll start getting some great chat and some great stories hopefully from him cool now sal first question we've got in that regard um where did it all begin um where did you start how did you start how did you find your way to ealing um what do we need to know so i started ealing when i was 10 my parents live literally over the road from the ground so it was like having a big front garden and I played, I went to school in Ealing as well, so I played a little bit of cricket there, but um, really I, I learnt the fundamentals of cricket at Ealing in the Colts and then carried on through to the adult scene as well. So when did you make your senior debut? Can you remember? Uh, I think in the in the lower teams it would have been probably early 90s, 92, 93, something like that. Um, I made my first team debut I think in 1996, and it was against Stanmore away. 
on a hot day. I remember that because I was, I was very nervous. Well, quite rightly so. You're making a <laughs> debut for Ealing. I, I completely understand. Can you remember much about the game? Did you win? I don't remember anything about it. I think I, other than I think I got 30 odd um, and I was batting at six, I think. But then, yeah, other than that, it's, it's a long time ago now. It's like 25 years ago almost. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Time flies and, and all that. Um, so in terms of what you've achieved at Ealing, um, I mean, is there anything there that particularly stands out as being as being sort of the thing that you're most proud of or is it the whole career? Because, I mean, as, as Sal just said, you did, you know, you've done more or less everything, right? I, I guess so. I mean, when I look back on it, I, I I think I've been very lucky to be able to spend so much time with some of my best mates all throughout the summer. And you guys have all played cricket, so you know what it's like. You get very close to people and you effectively live in each other's pockets for 18 weeks plus of the season. And I think at Ealing, we were we were very lucky that we had a group of people who were all of a similar age and and all really good mates as well. And I think that the thing the thing that I, I I look back on most fondly is is the friendships I've made. But also in terms of cricketing, I think the achievement of winning the league seven years in a row was unparalleled, really. And for me, at least, league cricket was was always the focus. The cup cricket was was great and, and to do well in those competitions is a bonus, I think. But really your your kind of meet and drink cricket wise, Premier League level is always the league stuff for me. Well that's that's my outlook. I know some of the other people at Ealing will, will probably disagree and, and they'll prefer the, the cup stuff. But um but yeah, seven years in a row winning the Premier League, I I'd be surprised if anyone beat that anytime soon. Sure. Luke, just want to ask you, so in, in your early years at Ealing, um, obviously there's been some fantastic players in the past who've been graced the ECG. Which particular players sort of, you know, mentored you or players that you looked up to in your time at the club? There have been quite a few, really. The ones that stand out. Um, so Umar Rashid, who sadly died um, in 2002. So he was a year year older than me. So we were really good mates. And, you know, he was always someone who who I'd look up to. Yeah, he was a year or two ahead of me in terms of playing senior cricket and he would, you know, the success that he was having always kind of spurred me on to to want to have have a piece of that as well. Um, so from a, a peer perspective, it was probably him. Um, from a coaching perspective, Mervyn Mansell at Ealing, um, he, he sadly passed away. He was very old um, by the end, but he, he put in a hell of a lot of time at Ealing on the coaching side of things, um, and, and latterly Peter Wellings as well. So I played a lot of cricket with Wello, and he was a very good coach as well. So he was kind of ever present when I was starting to play adult cricket at a at a better standard, I guess. And um, and also the, the captain at the time, Manraj Alawalia, as well. He was very supportive as well. And and in thinking about the Ealing setup, I mean. Talk me. Where do Ealing recruit their players from? And I know a lot of you guys come through the junior section. I get that. Um, but but is it is it from local schools? Do you have strong links with these local schools? Is it is it uh, is it simply the reputation goes before you that people just know Ealing's Colts network is so strong? Is there any sort of avenues there that you've been particularly you know good at developing? We've never really actively recruited players. Um, I think I think the last few years we've probably you know, done that a little bit more. But certainly when I was when I was playing first team cricket, we 
we had such a strong cult section, you know, there's about 500 kids in the cults at Ealing, I think, maybe more now. I'm not sure the exact number, but um, wow. you only <laughs> need one player from every other age group to be good enough to play first team cricket and you've got a, a steady production line there. And I think also success breeds competition as well. So what, what we found was the more successful we were, the more people wanted to commit. So people are less likely to go to weddings or go to birthday parties or, or take a Saturday off um, you know, during the season if, if they think they're going to lose their place in a successful team. And equally, players in the second team, um, at the time, we, we had a lot of depth in the twos as well. So there was always someone who, who could step up. Mm. Um, and yeah, I mean, it was funny because another byproduct of of having a strong first team was that there were people in the second team who who didn't just disappear and go to another club because they weren't getting first team cricket. Actually, they wanted they wanted to get in on the action of you know being in a successful team as well. So there was some healthy competition in the second team. Yeah. You know, some of the people who who we had in the twos, including myself, over the years, you know, who were out of out of Nick or whatever was. You know, our second team at some points probably would have finished. Well, they wouldn't have got relegated from the Premier League, I wouldn't have thought. Well, I remember playing Ealing Twos on the green at Twickenham once, yeah. and, and you played. And I remember looking around thinking, you know, this is a better team than Twickenham have had in the first 11 for seven-eighths of our yeah. entire history. Um, and and that, was, that was your second 11. You know, and it was, I can't remember exactly who was there on the day, but I know you, you opened the bat in, and I thought, blimey. The strength I remember of Samir team. Patel played that game because he, he drove me to the ground in his Aston Martin. That was a highlight of my was a highlight of my week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, another one that sort of occurs to me though is, is about um, is about the people you play against, right? Because Ealing's got right a reputation of being such a strong club. Do you sort of get the feeling that you, you've already got 50 for naught on the board because you turn up as Ealing? I'm sure you never think of it like that. But I mean, looking looking back at it, you know, I, I wonder how strong the reputational um, factor is in in giving you, you know, a small but important advantage. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know. I, it's not the kind of thing I, I, I ask that's, people that's really. But I, I, know, I know speaking to, yeah. <laughs> um, I'm having a conversation with Ben Claypole, who was, you know, one of the, one of the finest players that I've, I've played against in the league. And he, I don't, I think he said he'd never won a game at Ealing and every, you know, he enjoyed playing against us because of the, because of the competitive nature of the games. But he, he said, you know, when he, when he came into the car park, his head dropped because, because <laughs> he'd never done that well, um, you know, yeah. team wise against Ealing. But, you know, I, I don't know. Yeah. I, I, and, and also you made a point about cups. Yeah. I, I find the cups thing really interesting uh, actually, because, Again, just using my club as an example, I always think we've got something that looks vaguely similar to a cup side. We've got people who hit the ball. We've got people who score pretty quickly. Um, we've got people who, who you know, we've got five bowlers uh, generally. I mean, I know there are times when one or two have dominated a bit more. And yet cups have always been a bit of a disaster for availability reasons. You know, we might win two rounds, but then we'd have the third level out in, in, in the third round. And, and that's no disrespect to the first team guys. You know, they've got marriages yeah. to preserve as well. Um, but but Ealing always seem to have a strong side out in all the cups, don't they? Again, I think it's it's down to a few things. So competition for places. Um, at, at the time, right? You know, when I was playing, probably late to, you know, don't know what the terminology is for that decade, but sort of two thousand and six onwards, um, people didn't want to to give up their spot, be that on a Saturday or a Sunday, because there would be 
three or four other people wanting to to come in and play and and who would be good enough to come in as well so they didn't want to give people a chance to to, to steal their position in the team um and also i think some of the the cup runs that we had were was so enjoyable and the cricket was was so good and also it's the opportunity to to you know get out of london um when you get to the, the latter stages get out of london and actually you know play on some grounds that you wouldn't ordinarily get to play on and we had some amazing mm. trips you know go and visit the civilized world luke that's what it is <laughs> not sure about that we played we played same just uh, <laughs> it was i can't remember what year it was uh, i think it was 2000 it might have been 2006 i can't remember but we, we played them in the quarterfinals of the national and we had to put out it took us two days to get there basically so we had to we put out our second team yes, against Hampstead. it's the i think it's the most westerly cricket ground in europe and we set off on the friday we stayed i think it was in torquay on the friday night um pepsi captained our, our first team on the saturday because he couldn't play in the national because he was still contracted um and the, and the rest of the team were from the twos and then yeah we played saint just on the sunday they were charging entry to the ground and they absolutely destroyed us as well. And we went all that way. It took us about 10 hours to get there, stuck behind tractors and caravans and stuff. And then they, they absolutely dealt with us. And then we had to come home. Um, <laughs> but yeah, stuff like that. I mean, it's at the time, it's, it's not much fun. But looking back on it, actually, some of those trips were, were great. You know, we played Bath on a Sunday as well a few times. Oh. And, you know, it's... Nice yeah, place to play. Yeah, but I think people, when they get a taste of that... You know that they want a bit more of it, and I think also there hasn't been a wholesale change in the team over the years. You know, the core of the team throughout throughout that successful time and also up till now has really remained pretty constant. You know, one or two people maybe every season stop playing, but actually there's enough people within the nucleus of the side to to keep the memories of those cup runs going and actually make people want to you know to to get involved with that as well. So um, yeah, success in those competitions definitely breeds the desire from the players to play in it. Luke, come on to ask you, so you had that fantastic period of time where you won league after league after league. And I'm looking at some scorecards today and there were some fantastic players playing for other clubs as well at the time. You know, you had like your, you know, Kurt Powell, Danny Laws, um, and Angus Fraser played some mm. games. So some very strong sides. Which year for you was the one that stood out the most in terms of you felt this was the biggest achievement in terms of the opposition? Um, that you're playing against on a weekly basis. I think 2006 was was my was my favourite year that that I skipped. Anyway, it was obviously it was my first um, my first year doing it. Um, Simon Hawke had joined joined Ealing. Um, I had to make a really difficult decision in my first game as captain. Um, I, I actually dropped Arif, who was captain the previous year, and and played Hawkey instead. And that was that was really tough because Arif's a really good friend. Um, that's one of the things that comes with captaincy, unfortunately. Um, but you know, we, we had such a strong side that year. I think we won it with two or three weeks to go uh, by the end of the season, and the atmosphere in the team was great. We had um, we had a lad called Pat Darwin, who was our overseas player, who played Aussie under 19s and it was his first year or first time away from home, basically. And he turned up and. It was freezing cold pre-season. He couldn't grip the ball. He was an off-spinning all-rounder. And I, I had to almost drop him because he got a wicket. We played Teddington first game of the season. He got a wicket with a full toss. I think he got Toby Bailey out. And uh, 
he couldn't land it. And then I didn't bowl him again until I think it was the fifth or sixth game at Winchmore Hill. Uh, and he ended up getting, I think, 40 wickets that season. But, um, you know, seeing seeing someone improve that much in the space of one year was, was great. You know, um, some of the batting was 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 brilliant. Hawkey was an incredible player and had a great season that year as well. Um, plus we had, I think I was one of only a couple of people in that team not to have played first-class cricket. So it was it was pretty special. Um, the following year, the 2007 um, was okay. I actually broke my hand um, halfway through the season, so I missed a few games in that season. But then in 2008 was was great as well. Um, the evening standard final at the end of that year was, I think, the best game of cricket I've ever played in. Um, it was it was great. It was Ian Blanchett's last game for the club as well. So it was um, it was great. John Maunders got a hundred for Sunbury and gave gave Blanny his man of the match award. They, they were good mates from when they were on the staff at Middlesex. Um, but yeah, the 2006, I think, is the year for me that really stands out. Cool. Okay, Luke, so we're going to move on now, obviously. So you've had your fantastic time at Ealing, um, back-to-back titles on numerous occasions, but then you obviously found it to change. What was the reason behind heading off to Winchmore Hill for a couple of years? Well, I, I was having a, an awful season in 2010. I wasn't scoring any runs and my wife was pregnant. We bought a house. We were renovating that and... Um, yeah, cricket was was really not enjoyable at all, and I was I was considering just binning it completely and, and stopping. And I played I played a little bit for Wiltshire on and off um, over the years, and they were they were short. Um, I had an injury, a last minute injury. So so Mike Coles, who was the captain of Wiltshire, actually called me up and said, you know, we want you to you're available to play basically and I played I played in the twos on the Saturday got naught against Brentham and I was thoroughly uh annoyed with life in general um but I, I went and played and then I actually got a I got 139 against uh quite a strong Cornwall side and and thought actually well that was really good fun and maybe I'm not as bad now as I as I think I am and and I thought well if I'm going to carry on playing, actually, actually, a change of scene might sort of reinvigorate my cricket and get me get me a bit more sort of enjoyment out of it. Um, because obviously, cricket takes a long time, so if you're not enjoying it, it can be a pretty lonely place to be. So I had to think, and yeah, Winchmore Hill was somewhere that I that I'd always scored runs, and it's a really nice club the people are great and I was good mates with Hursty he was captain at one point while I was captain at Ealing and also Andy Varley as well and I thought well if I had to if I had to pick any club regardless of geography where would that be to go and play and Winchmore Hill kind of came up immediately um you know in my train of thought and geographically it makes the least sense for me because it's I think 17 miles door to door to go there so around the North Circular which is a, a, a massive pain, but it was, yeah, it was brilliant. And I, I really enjoyed it. Another thing as well at Ealing, if you wanted to play first team cricket, you really had to commit at that time to, to playing Saturday and Sunday because of the cups as well. And I, I just couldn't do that. I, I still wanted to play uh, Premier League cricket, but I didn't want to have to play cups as well. And, you know, it made, it made sense to go and, and play for Winchmore Hill because they didn't really take the cups as seriously as Ealing. So. And it turns out it was it was great, and I loved it. Of, of the two sides, what what would you say were the sort of comparisons that you had that obviously made them both so you know successful during their times? Um, 
a lot of the guys, a lot of the lads at the Hill were, were similar in, in, to Ealing in terms of they played a lot of cricket together over the years. Uh, the average age at the Hill was probably considerably older in the first team than, than the Ealing side um, of the previous few years. Um, quite a few difficult characters in both teams as well. And it was, I'm just trying to think of the right way to say it really, but I mean, Adam Howarth at, at, at Winchmore Hill did, did a fantastic job you know, keeping everyone in, in check and making sure that ev- everyone in the team was, you know, wanting the same the same goals at the end of the end of the season and 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 for each game as well. And the way that he managed that team was was absolutely exceptional. And you know, you look at the the guys in there. You know, Dave Lane, Scott Newman. They're, they're all good mates, but you know, Gat, Thorpey, a few others. You know, the, those guys are. They all they've all played a lot of cricket and they all have opinions about how things should be done. But um yeah, Adam pulled pulled all that, that together. And I think it's the key to a good side as well is, is being good mates and spending time off the pitch together as well. And you know, there's It's a dressing room, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And a couple a couple of the teams I can think yeah, of makes a big difference. Mm. Yeah, I mean there have been teams over the years in the Middlesex League who turn up with you know, new players every year, superstar, big name players, um, for whatever reason, and invariably don't do very well at the end of the season. But you know, when there's no substitute really for having eleven blokes in the team who are, who are really good mates and they have some banter, you know, during the winter as well, go and play golf together or go to the pub or whatever. And a lot of that transpires transposes very well to to cricket, you know. People know each other inside out. The, the roles within the team become cemented as well. People know exactly what to do in certain situations. Um, and yeah, I mean Adam, Adam himself, you know, from a bowling perspective, he's a fine bowler. But Thorpe was getting Thorpe was bowling sides out regularly, and then you know Scott and David Lane were were knocking runs off. I, I think I in 2012 I, I batted three and I didn't bat for a month because those guys kept <laughs> kept. Uh, Kept winning us games, and I think when I when I did get a hit, I I hold out to cover for Nortle at Hornsey. So, um, <laughs> but, not that you remember it, not that it preys on your mind at all. I can tell. No, no, not at all. Not at all. <laughs> <laughs> Another ground I've never scored any runs at. I was going to ask you. Oh, it works like that, though, doesn't it? And there's yeah. some grand, and you know what? There's some grounds I don't like very much where I used to score runs, and vice versa. Grounds I'd love to play at, but couldn't you know couldn't get balls to square. Um, I was going to ask you about minor county stuff, Luke. I mean, it's quite interesting. How did you end up at Wiltshire? Pretty random, actually. One of my best mates from university, this guy called Richard Bedbrook, who's now, I think he's second team coach at Surrey now. Um, but he, he was captain. He played for Devizes. He grew up playing for Devizes Cricket Club. And yeah, they had, they had a whole load of injuries. I think my first game was in, uh, when was it, 2008 against Cheshire um, at Trowbridge. And traditionally, uh, strong county Cheshire normally, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah, they were strong. So we, I think there were five or six of us making our debut in that game. No, they were that short and they didn't have any, at the time, I think their youth section weren't that strong. So they didn't have anyone to pick from, from the younger team. So, um, so Neil Charlotte, who's a coach said to, to Bedders, you know, have you got any mates? And he called a few of us in and yeah, I got, I ended up, I got 99. And I'm sorry. I love that. Minor counties cricket. Have you got any mates? Yeah. It was like that. Um, <laughs> so first innings I nicked off for one. Well, no, LBW for one. And then second innings nicked off for 99, um, which was really disappointing, but I was quite happy with it at the same time. 
Um, and then after that, I carried on playing just a few games when I could, really. Um, every game I played, every three-day game involved taking two days holiday, which when you're married and, you know, with other commitments and stuff, it's not it's not that easy, really, to, to take or sacrifice so much of your holiday to play cricket. So I played the odd game when I could and just really enjoyed it. Again, it was another, another opportunity to get out of London and, and play on some grounds, which ordinarily you wouldn't get the chance to play on. Um, also, a great, great bunch of lads. Did you ever play Shropshire? Luke, no, we didn't. Did they, you play Shropshire at all? Was that they weren't in our. I don't, I don't oh, think they were in our division, um, or at least I, I didn't play against them. It is. It's East West, yeah. isn't it? It's it, it's an odd setup, you know. Yeah. So we, we had, okay. we no, had Wales, Oxfordshire, uh, Cornwall, uh, Cheshire. Yeah, I can't remember the rest. No, that's our league. Okay. No, that's Shropshire's league. So you probably right. just didn't know. Yeah, that I didn't. Um, I was going to ask you about standard. Um, because the standards, the standards an odd one, isn't it? Because uh, as you've inferred before, I mean, sometimes you get, you know, you get young lads, quite frankly, who are making their way and, and they're trying to perhaps get a springboard into the professional game. And sometimes you get real seasoned pros who've been around. I mean, and Chris Peplow's done a fantastic job for Berkshire. Yeah. Um, but I guess that can mean the standard. The standard could vary a bit, right? What, what was your experience? Is, is it higher or lower than the, the county league to start? I think it's it's as high, if not slightly higher, from from right. from my experience. I. It was it was high enough to be a real challenge without feeling like you were playing a test match. If you sort of mean, you know that you you felt that if you yeah, bad, yeah. well, at least I always felt if I batted properly, then I'd I'd be in with a chance of of doing 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 okay. And um, yeah, I mean, it depends on who you were playing, really. So we played Wales a few times, and they they were they were effectively Glamorgan's third team, and they took it very seriously. You know, they, they they had a curfew. Um, mm. They couldn't go out at night, whereas all the Wiltshire boys were jumping in taxis to Bath and going on the lash during the during the three day games, which were great, which was great fun. Um, but yeah, uh, the Welsh team they were hopefully they don't listen to this, but they, they were relatively humourless in their approach to cricket. So um, I remember we played we played one game at <laughs> at Trowbridge and it was it was raining and. We we snatched. We, they, were, they were hammering us, and we got saved by the rain. And and you know, there'd been a bit of a delay getting the covers on, which they weren't happy about. And we all went out to shake hands with them, sort of smirking, and they had faces like thunder. So, um, but yeah, in general, the standard is good, and yeah, you, know, you get quite a few ex pros. We had Wes Durston playing for us, at Wiltshire. We had I didn't play in the game, but we had Andy Caddick play one game as well, coming back from injury. Um. Yeah, you know, it's, it's it's pretty good, um, but yeah, it's good fun, really. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I do. I, yeah, I wonder about minor counties cricket. I mean, I appreciate you know this this is sort of going slightly off topic, but um, it, it's a strange it's a strange place in the cricket um, pyramid, isn't it? And I know, I mean, I, I obviously follow it quite a bit having a background in Shropshire, but certainly the Shropshire cricket playing public has fallen out of love with the Shropshire team, and the reason for that is very simple: that they, they don't recognise the players who are playing. Um, and they don't, I mean, Gurdjieff Sandu from our club at Twickenham, he played a few games for Shropshire, and Gurdjieff is a lovely bloke, as I'm sure you know, but people looked at him and thought, well, why is Gurdjieff Sandu from Middlesex come to play for Shropshire? And and that's a good question. <laughs> and when you've got five or six guys that they don't recognise, they stop going to watch. Um, and and there was, there's a real tension there now, and I, I think that's true in lots of places, actually. And so I, I wonder if the minor county setup up need, needs a revamp somehow to, to, to try and try and bring it a bit a bit back to where it was or just to do something more constructive with it. I don't know if you've got any thoughts on that. 
maybe. I mean, I'm a bit out of the loop, to be honest. I haven't played for a few years now, but I, I think at least when when I was playing the odd game for Wiltshire, then they, they probably needed that. They needed some people to come in and, and help them, whereas they've actually gone full circle now. So yeah. Tom Morton, who was, um, who was director of cricket at Ealing and you know, scored a, a shed load of runs a couple of years ago. So I, I played a bit with him at Wiltshire as well, and, and he's now director of cricket. He left um, left Ealing. Yeah, he was director of cricket at Ealing, but he went to become director of cricket at Wiltshire. And I know they've now got, you know, a real sort of nucleus of homegrown talent within the team. And I know Berkshire have also done that because, you know, being good mates with Peps as well. Yeah, he's he's still playing there, obviously. Yeah. But, you know, I remember when we played Berkshire, they, they turned up one day with um, with Sean Udell. Uh, and then they had, uh, I think, David Balcom and David Griffiths, the Hampshire opening bowlers. You know, and then... And then uh, a load of other people from sort of outside of the league as well. But I know now that they have they have a a great link with Middlesex. Yeah, Middlesex will almost see them as, as their third team now, I guess. And um, yeah. they they they've changed things around as well. And they are so. the best team by a distance. Yeah. They are the best yeah, team. Yeah, yeah. They're a really good side. Um, so at least at least based on the evidence from those from those two teams, it seems to have changed. Luke, Luke, I want to move on to the MCC now. Obviously, you've been a player member for a few years now. You're a player rep as well. Is that correct? I think you've done some helping that part yeah. as well, and also you, yeah, you used to be, and, you, and you've toured them abroad as well. I know you've been to Argentina and Denmark with the MCC. So, do you want to give us an insight? And I mean, one maybe how you get involved with becoming an MCC playing member, and also some of obviously the highlights in your time, what you've been playing for for you know the MCC. Sure. So I, I I did the membership thing when I was at university. Actually, it was actually I'm really glad that I did it then because it's a requires a significant investment of time in order to do it. Um, so you have to send in your form by September, I think it's the end of September, in order to, to start your probation period for the following year. Um, and then the, the criteria is that you, you play a minimum of 10 games over two seasons. And at the end of that, they they take a look at how, how you're doing. There's no hard and fast rules in terms of what you need to average or how many wickets you need to take. But the general feeling is if you... If you score at least 100 um, and take two or three threefers, if you're a bowler, um, if not better, then um, you know you, you've done you've done well enough. But you know, it's a great thing to do, and some of the cricket that that's on offer there is is fantastic. You know, throughout the summer, there's I don't know how many hundreds of fixtures they have, but you know they're, they're putting out multiple teams on on any given day during the summer. They also have secretaries games as well, which are the, the kind of higher standard ones, which you have to apply centrally and then they pick teams for. So I've been lucky enough to play at Lords a couple of times. I played against Scotland in 2015, I think, or 14. And a couple of years ago uh, against the national champions, Wanstead, because when the national final was played at other grounds outside of Lords, the last couple of years, they, they said to the, the, the winners of the national, well, you can play at Lords the following season at the start of the season. So, um, we had a great game mm. in April against Wanstead. Um, it was like three thirty played three twenty or something. It was it was great. Um, and then great game. That speaks the batsman. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm with you all the way. But uh, yeah, <laughs> but it was it, you know, it's, it's a great thing to do, and the opportunities that it gives you. Of course, you know when you get in, it's a great way to bypass the the twenty five year waiting list or whatever it is, and you can you pay your subs, and then you you can walk into Lords any day of the summer that you want. You know, you can you can watch ten days test cricket there if you want to. Um, and then the overseas tours are, 
are amazing as well. So the Argentina tour was was really really good. You know, obviously it's all expenses paid as well. They 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 sort everything out, and you stay in nice hotels and have nice hospitality in the evenings, and and see these countries where you wouldn't I ordinarily go. You know, if I if I'm looking to go on holiday with the family, it's as nice as Argentina is. I, I probably wouldn't go there. I'd go to Australia and see friends, or or go to America or something. But it's a great way to to go and see the world and. It's surprising where cricket is played around the world as well. You know, they go to Thailand and Sweden, and you know, they were in Sierra Leone this year as well. So it's it's really cool. They go on seven year, I think it's seven year cycles of, of touring venues. So um, in the Argentina tour that that I went on, the previous the previous tour um, that happened seven years before that, they took a really strong side. Um, Peter Trigo, who played for Middlesex and Somerset, he was captain of it. And, Argentina beat um, beat the MCC um, on on that on that trip. So we took a an even stronger side um, when I went. We had uh, we had Steve Kirby on that, Darren Maddy as well. Steve Snow they played for Gloucestershire, and I think Argentina had a few few players retire, so they weren't as strong. But it was a it was a great great way to see the country and you know, a really good bunch. And then Denmark was fun as well. Um, better standard than Denmark. They, they're actually pretty good at cricket out there. We played against their A team a couple of times. Um, Ole Mortensen, Danish <laughs> bloke who played for Derbyshire in the 80s. I remember watching him on, on yeah. BBC Two on Sunday afternoons. Ole Mortensen. Well, Amjad Khan turned up to one of the guys. Not alone. Um, do you remember him? Played for, oh, right. played for England. Yeah. yeah, played for Kent, doesn't he? Yeah. Old absolute rockets yeah. by all accounts. Luckily, he didn't play against us, but he, he turned up to watch. We were all a bit worried when we saw him struggling to the ground. Blimey. And am I right in saying the MCC takes part in um, sort of sort of tournaments, re- regional tournaments, maybe? Um, I think they went to Costa Rica last year, or was it and, and Mexico? And, and and Clint McCabe was telling me that, that they were involved in in some sort of regional tournament as well there against against um, developing nations in that that neck of the woods. Yeah, it, it depends on on what's happening at any one time. I think where they go. So I think the Costa Rica thing there happened to be a, yeah. a T Twenty tournament at the same time. So. The MCC put a team in, but yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, the normal format is that they'll play against the national team of wherever you go, and then they'll also arrange games against clubs or or other representative sides or schools, that sort of thing, depending on on the level of cricket that's available out there. But yeah, I'd, I'd thoroughly recommend to anyone to do it, and I know Twickenham, Clint, and, and Dave Russell have both done it, and they they really enjoy it, and Carlos as well. And it's a, it's a great way to yeah. Oh, they're all big fans. Yeah, it's, it's, a, yeah. it's a great way to network as well, particularly if you're you know at a stage in your in your career where you're interested in talking to people and what opportunities are out there. It's, it's amazing the kind of contacts you can make across different industries and different walks of life. Yeah, makes a lot of sense. Makes a lot of sense. And I think also you you play on some great grounds. No, you, you don't go and play on a bomb site in the middle of nowhere. It's, it, it, these are fantastic sort of days, aren't they? The proper cricketing days. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, lunches and teas are, are fantastic at most of them as well, which is the most important <laughs> thing, right? Um, yeah, some of these old, Absolutely. old private school grounds, you could play first-class cricket on them quite easily. And it's obviously the highlight of the season playing the MCC as well. So they, they roll out all the hospitality. There's normally a bit of wine knocking around at lunchtime as well. So uh, MCC always bats first. So try and get up the order, go and have a hit, get up for lunch and have a couple of glasses of wine to tide you over. Is that a serious comment? The MCC does always about first. Is that right? 
Yeah, well, in most cases. Yeah, occasionally a, a, a school kind of throws a spanner in the works and chooses to bat first. But yeah, the kind of unwritten rule is that the MCC bat first. With, with good reason. Like with, with good reason, to be <laughs> fair, because a lot of the school sides are, are, are re- not relatively enough, weak. Yeah. And, you know, against an average school yeah. side, a normal normal MCC game will go. MCC bats first, gets 250, and the school are, you know, 100 to 150 for eight, blocking out for the draw. So. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like a great a great thing, and I know from from some of the guys that I know they they talk very highly of it. So if if players feel that they're good enough to to, to get into that sort of cricket, then I, I guess I guess you'd encourage them to to give it a whirl, right? Definitely, yeah. Um, I believe Evan Flowers is taking over the the rep role for for our um, area. Chris Glasper did it after me. There's a we have a three year shelf life to to doing those roles. So I think Evan's taking it over now. Right. But I've just seen here, um, there's a mere 559 games this year that the MCC have got scheduled. So um, there's a bit of cricket going on. Well, whether they'll play this year or not is not a matter, I suppose, given the, what's going on beyond cricket. But, um, you know, you certainly do have a lot of games uh, um, on the agenda there. Uh, one last sort of substantive thing I wanted to ask you, Luke, and it's, I guess it's a little bit, it's, it's not quite as positive as that experience of the MCC. Yeah. Um, the um, Ealing obviously have played lots of um uh, knockout cricket as we've talked about and one of the sort of games that I remember w- was when you when you lost in the national to the West Indian Cavaliers yeah. um, now it, it looked as an outside I mean I'm absolutely an outsider looking in it looked like it was probably a pretty disappointing um, uh, day um, the, the most disappointing day in your in your sort of club career or, or would that just is that over dramatizing it what, what went wrong and you know could you talk us through it I think that's a fair comment yeah the, the national Really, is is the holy grail for Ealing now. Yeah, we, we've we've won the yeah. league multiple times. The Evening Standard, which you know, sadly doesn't run anymore, it's a great competition, but we won that. Whereas the national, we've been in the final. It's four times now, and, and, and never won it. And you know, I, I certainly won't have the chance to to, to play in one of those again. But yeah, the, the whole thing was was a, a shambles, really. Um, firstly. We, were play, we played at the Riverside in Durham in September. Um, Durham won the championship that year and, and they, they had a championship deciding game starting at the, at the Riverside two days later. So the ground staff didn't want us anywhere near any of the ground, really. And Ollie Wilkin was not allowed to play for us um, because he played one Pro 40 game for Middlesex. And I don't think he really did anything in that game anyway. Uh, in terms of you know his his own performance, uh, and then the umpires made a complete hash of it. Um, just trying to remember exact the exact details, but um, we were penalised for a slow over rate when I think at all times throughout the game our over rate had been higher than the West Indian Cavaliers, uh, and at the end I think they needed. They thought they needed two to win. They hit they hit two, run off the ground, pulled the stumps out, etc. And the umpires had miscalculated um the Duckworth Lewis. And so um yeah, we had to come back out again, which was a bit of a joke. And yeah, Ollie not being allowed to play was 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 really galling because their team effectively were a load they had eleven mercenaries in their team. And they had uh they had Bill Al Shafiat playing, who, who that winter 
had been playing as an overseas pro for one of the Zimbabwean first-class sides. And he was allowed to play, but Ollie wasn't, having played, having been a homegrown player and played one Pro 40 game. And they also had um, Atta Ur-Rayman playing for them as well. I don't know if you remember, he was uh, Wazim and Wakar era. Got done for match-fixing. Yeah, so uh, he got done for match-fixing and uh, turned up playing for the West Indian Cavaliers. Um, they, Kirk Edwards? Uh, possibly. Did Kirk Edwards play from then, or was that not the same year? He definitely played from. Yeah, and they, they also had, uh, what's his name? Uh, the left-hander who played for England. Um, sorry. Afsal. Usman Afsal. Was it him? Yeah. So he played. Usman Afsal for um, not. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I mean, if, if I had a list of people who I, I haven't enjoyed playing against, he'd be captain. Um, yeah, yeah, he turns up. <laughs> he comes out and is... In his sorry gear, sorry helmet, sorry jumper, uh, giving it big ones. Yeah. You know, he'd retired like ten years before that, um, and yeah, just the whole day was was thoroughly unpleasant to be honest. And it was a real shame because, you know, we, we had a, a great team, great bunch of, of of lads who are good mates to get you know, on and off the pitch, grown up playing cricket together, all homegrown players predominantly, or who'd played for the club for years. And you come up against a team like that who are just bankrolled by, you know, I'm not sure what the guy does, but they're bankrolled by someone. And, um, yeah. And, and, but yeah, the, the Ollie Wilkin thing was, was really gutting. And, um, you know, not least for Ollie as well, because, you know, there's nothing he would have liked more than to play in that. Um, but I, I believe the ECB changed the rules uh, for the following season after that. But, we su- we submitted and oh, I'm sure that made you feel a little bit better. Yeah, not really. <laughs> we we submitted a yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, yeah. No good to we're you. Chris Chris Ayler, who was our scorer. Luke, we're going to cheer you up now, Luke. We don't want to end on a on a sad note, so we're going to cheer you yeah. up with our quick fire quiz, as you know if you've heard it before. I had one question, though, you... Jack. Can I dive in one more question? Okay, yeah, I'm always ahead. intrigued about what people do off the field. What, what, can I ask what, what, when you're not playing cricket? Um, what do you do off the field? Luke, what, what do you do for a living? Just sort of a bit more about you in the non-cricketing world. Okay. So I, I work for a, a data analytics consultancy. So we specialize in data visualization. Oh. Um, so uh, broadly speaking, we, we turn numbers into pictures. So we create uh, dashboards out of data, so maps and interactive charts and things like that. Um, and yeah, in terms of when I'm not playing cricket, play with the golf. Um, my winter sport is table tennis. So when I was a kid, I, I played a lot of table tennis oh. um, to a similar standard as cricket. And I've taken that up again in the last five years. So I play in the league during the winter. Um, and then the rest of the time, really. Uh, Guys, if you, if you bear me, I've got, got one anecdote about table tennis. It might mean more to you, Luke, than anybody else. Yeah. When I, I started lecturing, I'm at work at university, University of Nottingham. Okay. And I did, a, did my first ever lecture. And there's 20 students in the room. And I'm, you know, quite nervous, give the lecture. And um, you know, four or five of them are, are not from the UK. Um, so I'm, I'm trying to make sure I get the level right. No idea how it's gone on. Next week, I come back. Um, same, same course. Yeah. There's a queue of 200 people outside the lecture theatre. Right. And I'm thinking, you know, I thought it was good too. Yeah, they're, they're flocking in. <laughs> and it turns out that one of our students is um, a Chinese four-time world champion table tennis, <laughs> table tennis player. Oh. And um, all... All of the Chinese students on campus uh, had, had heard that she's here, and they'd found out because somehow or other they, you know, found out a timetable. So they're all queuing outside my lecture theatre to, to to get 
you know, get the autographs from from this uh, superstar table tennis player. And she's that good and that famous. I can't actually remember her name. But um, <laughs> yeah, it was an odd one. You know, I just thought, you know, table tennis, you forget in some parts of the world, it's absolutely <laughs> massive. Um, and yeah, it was, it was an interesting start to my working career. But I also hear you like rock music, Luke. Talk to us a bit about this and any particular things we need to know. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I've played the guitar for a long time. So I, I played in the band for five or six years, um, playing kind of all our original music, current stuff. Um, where I met my wife, actually. So she was, um, her best friend started, um, with, well, she was seeing our drummer, I think. So, and uh, I met her at, at one of our gigs back in the day and yeah, I don't play as much as I used to but I I, I love it um, any kind of guitar based music is right up my alley to be honest cool okay Luke so we're going to move on to the quiz now um, as you know it's going to be a few questions now some you can elaborate if you want to some you can answer with a single yes or no answer or, or the option that's available so we're going to start off with a bit of a tricky one I reckon um, obviously you've played against some fantastic team bowlers in your time at the league You've got to pick one of these to be in your team. Would it be with Craig Jones of Richmond or Frank and Griffiths of Winchmore Hill? Oh my god, that's a difficult one. I mean those those two are are by some distance the best opening bowlers that I've ever played against. Um, I I have to choose one. Yes. Yep. Reluctantly, Frank. Mm. Uh, any? Can you say why, or is that just too too hard? I I think Frank. I'm trying to think of the formula. The answer in my head really is difficult. Um, I think Frank probably would bowl better across all the different surfaces that you would find. He'd find a way to do that, and he was through his overs at the. The, the pace of a spinner in terms of how long his overs took to bowl. You know, he'd be out through an over in two or three minutes. He'd bowl off two or three paces. And the seam was always dead upright. He'd be in the umpire's ear. He'd be in the batsman's ear as well. And he was just incredibly skillful. Um, Craig was, was, was a, a, again, a, a fantastic bowler as well. He was constantly at you, um, quicker than Frank, probably did less with it in the air, but, um, yeah, I'll, I'll say I'll say Frank just because I, I think probably he'd be better across different conditions and different surfaces, but it's a marginal thing. Seems a fair answer. Um, my first question: Sky Sports or TMS? Sky Sports. I think it's a bit more relevant these days. Any particular reason? It's a bit more relevant, I think, and I don't know. I I, I don't dislike TMS at all. Uh, it's I don't know. There's a kind of nostalgic reason for saying TMS, I think, with with Brian Johnston and Blowers and all, and all that crowd, but um, and Agnew. But I, I think the the analysis that mm. Sky Sports do now. I mean, given what I do for a job That's as great. well, um, I cricket has got a lot of data um, associated with it, and it's one of the few sports really where you can you can really dive into it. And I think they're they're starting to do an amazing job with all the graphics and the analysis that they do. And they got rid of Paul Allett as well. Can I, can I just say something that's sacrilegious? Yeah. Yeah, but so's Blowers. Blowers was awful. We never watched the game. I don't care about buses going down behind the stadium. Watch the game. He's more interested in pigeons in the outfield. <laughs> I, I know everybody hates me for saying that, but uh, Blowers never watched a game. He can't speak coherent English. 
you know, he's just a, he's, he just fulfills a certain image that, that people quite like. Or is that, again, most people think I'm bonkers for saying it, but he ain't me. Yeah, I think TMS is. I want people to actually watch the game. TMS kind of harks back to the idea that cricket's all, you know, jolly good chaps and cucumber sandwiches and that sort of stuff. Whereas actually, um, yeah, I, I think now Sky are really up in their game. So. Yeah. Well, if you want TMS, you know you can listen to all five days of the Headingley Test at the moment. I, I heard they're doing uh, that. They're, they're rerunning it. All five, yeah, all five days. I turned on early today. It was raining. <laughs> like, Hang on a minute. You're a rerun of the rain. <laughs> but, you know, I carried on listening to it. So I can't, you, you know, they're obviously doing something right. Anyway, Sal. Luke, next one for you, mate. Um, Rolls Brand Vatin, obviously your top class batsman yourself, but who's... Out of these two, would you have in your side? Would it either be Virat Kohli or Steve Smith? Um, I, I can't really stand either of them, to be honest. But uh, I'll I'll say Virat Kohli because he's not a cheat. Oh, well done. What dear, shots fired. Sal, you're going to go back on that one? And <laughs> um, we'll leave that one. Yeah, we'll move on next well, one, Dan. You go ahead, mate. Um, umpires didn't think there was anything wrong with the ball and even if they had it would have been five penalty runs <laughs> you've never played with anyone who's tampered a ball Luke never ever uh, feel free to not answer that but um, <laughs> I don't know I think you know when, when I saw him crying in a press conference I thought guys we, we've not quite got this right if he'd have been caught it would have been fine five penalty runs um, but yeah I, I, I just you know. I, I don't like either of them really well I don't know either of them for a start so it's probably yeah. massively judgmental of me saying that but um, <laughs> <laughs> just their, their general demeanour I, I, um, I, I don't really like yeah. very much we, we could have made it easier we could have said Kane Williamson who I think you know it's pretty impossible to, to, to dislike Kane Williamson and he's a great player but, yeah he'd be in there like a shot um, moving on yeah I'm, I'm, I'm a big fan uh, Twitter or Instagram Twitter 100% I, I have an Instagram account but do you do Instagram I, I, I do have an account but I, I I don't really know how it works and I'm a bit of a Luddite with that all the people I work with are massively into it, but I, I just don't get it. Yeah. I am in completely the same for the record, yeah. Oh, of the two formats, Luke, would you prefer um, timed format or limited overs? And this is talk about you as a player playing. Uh, limited overs. No, sorry, timed. Okay, timed. for a reason. Um, oh, timed, okay. So, yeah, I changed my... I said the wrong thing. Um, just because... You get more time to build an innings, I think. Uh, I, I don't like the pink ball very much either. Um, mm. I, yeah. I enjoy the limited over stuff as well. Does it, still, does it still break bats, Luke? I mean, I've never really played much pink ball cricket, I'll be honest. But the rumours I always heard were that it, it wasn't really good for your bat. I don't, I don't know if that's right. It leaves big pink marks all over it. Um, it definitely feels different when you hit it, yeah. the pink ball. Right. I find. But, um, yeah, I, I'm... I've always been, I, I guess, basically because the majority of the cricket I played in the league was was all day timed cricket, and I I, I really enjoyed that. It was great. I, I, get, I could totally get the reasons for changing to to half and half, and I think it's it needed to be done, and I think it's improved the the standard of of cricket in general and the skills as well. You know, some of the skills you see now in the league are, are insane you know, compared to a few years ago. Um, and I think we should have done it a few seasons earlier than we did, to be honest. But I know Surrey and I think it was the home counties, they've been doing it for you know, a good couple of seasons, if not more, before we adopted it. Uh, there's always the, the same old 
kind of argument that the best team will always win, but actually that's probably true. But also you get a lot of meaningless cricket played at the end of the season with um, with time mm. cricket. Fair enough. Um, going back to your comment on rock music, uh, Pink Floyd or Birmingham's finest Ozzy Osbourne? Pink Floyd, definitely. Now, I'm not really a, a rock music man myself, but can you can you explain in a way that I'll understand why? <laughs> um, Probably not. <laughs> I'm a bit of a heathen, but uh, Dave Gilmore, the guitarist, is, is one of my all-time heroes. Ah. I've seen him live quite a few times, and he's incredible. Good enough for okay. me. This is talking about some food now, Luke. Um, preferred lunch option, or, or, or it could even be dinner. It would be a Sunday roast or fish and chips. Oh, you asked Thorpey this one last week, didn't you? I'll, I'll go with a Sunday roast. Yep. You did, yes. Sunday roast. Okay. I think he did Sal, didn't he? I think he did, yeah. We, yeah, yeah. It's I quite popular Sunday roast, yeah. He's, he's yeah. got a good taste. Cool. <laughs> um, my next question, if you had the choice of batting one more time and one more time only, okay. would you bat at Ealing or would you bat at Winchmore Hill? Um, Ealing, I think. Ironically, I, I, I enjoy batting equally at both, but I, Ealing is somewhere I've played all my life, so I have to say Ealing. But Winchmore Hill is yeah. beautiful as well. So Ealing and... Yeah, I mean, I have to admit, you know, anyone who doesn't like playing cricket at either of those grounds doesn't like cricket. Um, but leaving those two to one side, mm-hmm. if if you could play at one more one more ground, what's your favourite ground to play on? Uh, Feel free to say no answer, but um, have to be Lords, really. I think you know that was yeah, okay. somewhere I'd always dreamed Can't dreamed of playing, and and lucky enough to play there a couple of times, and it's. It's incredible. I mean, once you get off the mark, you don't want to get naught there. <laughs> once, once you get off the mark, you're kind of free to enjoy yourself. So, um, and the, the yeah, lunch is different gravy as well. So. Good stuff. Okay, um, Luke, we're going to talk about some moments in cricket which might have sort of scared you slightly. So the, first, the options here are, so obviously you face some quick bowlers in your time. Is your scariest moment in cricket facing Kirk Powell or... This is obviously not facing a bowler. Hearing about the football playing ghost in the way change room at Ealing once. I heard there was a ghost apparently lurking around, which gave you the gave you the gave you the fright. And do you want to elaborate on that story as well, if you can? Yeah, it needs to be elaborated on, please. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so um, I, I used to work behind a bar at Ealing when I was at university, and my parents used to live. You know, they still live over the road. I was staying staying there then, and I had to lock up one night. And there have been various reports of of strange noises and sort of ghostly happenings there over the years. And I I was going upstairs to check the changing rooms. And as I was upstairs on the, the sort of balcony where both changing rooms lead off, um, in the away dressing room, there was, there was this massive bang from the inside of the door. And the door was locked. I knew that because I'd, I'd got the key in my hand and I knew that it was locked. And uh, I, I still don't know what it was. And it it absolutely freaked me out so <laughs> i went downstairs um pulled myself a beer and I, I had to call my dad to come over and uh keep me company while i locked up because <laughs> i was trembling so um so yeah that was that was definitely weird um and there have been a couple of other noises over the years that have happened there as well um kind of unexplained uh so that was that was pretty scary and then yeah Kirk powell was 
was a fantastic bowler for Hampstead. So I'm, I'm not sure too many people will remember him, but he, he opened the bowling for Jamaica uh, for a while. And I remember the first, the first game we played against Hampstead when he was playing for them, he was warming up. He had his kind of Oakley sunglasses and Jamaican coloured kit um, in the warm up, and he was sprinting up and down. He was a really tall guy. And um, I think I was batting with Raj Rao. I was at the non strikers end, and he, he bowled the first ball to Raj, and Raj nicked it in front of his face. And the slip, the, the guy at first slip got his hands to sort of shoulder width apart just about, and the ball was already over the ropes. So, um, yeah, he was. He was pretty, pretty rapid, um, and also very tall, which wasn't very nice. But the ghost was probably scarier. Cool. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I don't care what anyone says, Luke. I mean, you know, we, we can all laugh about it now. It sounds a bit daft, but if you're in Ealing Cricket Club, the lights are off, it's midnight, and there's no noises banging away. Yeah, yeah. I can see why that's a bit unnerving, um, and I think most other folks could too. Um, on to other things: Stokes or Botham? Stokes. Definitely. Um, now, uh, Jamie said that last week as well. Yeah. Yeah. I, obviously, in both of them was was incredible at, at the time, the era that he played in. But the, the skill levels that the players have these days, the fitness levels, and you know what Stokes did in the World Cup and you know in the, the Test matches last year was just absolutely incredible. And I don't care what anyone says. Don't spoil it for me. I'm listening to it <laughs> yeah. on TMS tomorrow. <laughs> Turn it off quick. Um, yeah, and and, yeah. and what what he yeah. did, I'm sorry, is is that, that for me at least is is a far more significant achievement than than both of them at Headingley in '81. The only thing I would say about Headingley '81 is that it was a really bang average year in British history. You know, the riots everywhere, the British state were falling apart, you know, Toxters yeah. and all that stuff. And and cricket, oddly, was was the one thing that seemed to pick people up um, at that time anyway. But, I mean, I, I totally get what you're saying. I'm not saying I'm not saying it, you're wrong at all. But 81 was an odd year, and Botham played his role in a, in a wider sort of story, whereas, of course, Stokes is his genuine cricket story. I think also with, with what Stokes went, we went through with that incident in, in Bristol as well, to come back from that fair call and, yep. and achieve what he did was, was really special. And he's ginger as well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Good. Luke, last one on the quiz. Um, you've actually mentioned both um, games as well, or both situations. So which achievement stands up most for you? Um, Winning the evening stand final against Sunbury, where obviously you mentioned about it was such a close game, and you know, actually, you also captain that game as well, from what I remember, yeah. or playing at Lords. Which one of the two stands out the most? Uh, I think Lords, Lords is nice, but I, I'd say the evening standard. I mean, that, that was my last game as captain of Ealing and Blanny's last game as well. And the way the way it all turned out was perfect. We, we should have played that game at the Oval, but it was rained off the week before. So, me and the um, Sunbury captain tossed a coin and whoever won would, would host the game the following week. So, you know, the fact that we played that at Ealing, we had a really great crowd down. It was a good day for the club in terms of bar takings. And, um, you know, to to win that game from where we won it from was was really good. And, you know, Blanny got, I think, 45 not out at the end. And, you know, we got down right to the last man. Tahir Afridi was batting and he kept trying to reverse sweep it and stuff, which was not... 
not really good for our nerves on the balcony, but um, eventually, um, yeah, I think Blani, Blani kind of lap swept one over their 45 fielder to win the game from memory. And yeah, the, the whole day was amazing. And there's some great photos knocking around of spraying champagne. And there was, yeah, in terms of, you know, going out on high, that was, you couldn't really ask for a better script for that one. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Um, one final question from us, I guess, Luke, and it's not, not a quiz question, but it sort of is in a way because, you know, Luke Stanton, born and bred uh, in Ealing, is nicknamed, as everybody knows, the Barnsley Beast. Um, can you please elaborate? <laughs> Where does this come from? Oh, God. Um, yeah, so it was Jitin Ball who was our wicketkeeper, um, fantastic wicketkeeper for Ealing for a number of years. And it must have been around 2002, something like that. There was a, a headline in one of the one of the tabloid newspapers and it said, The Beast of Barnsley. And there had been phone calls to the RSPCA in Barnsley about there being a lion on the loose. And uh, it turned out that it was a golden retriever called Rocky. Uh, he, he got eczema all over his body, apart from on his, his head and his neck and his tail. So he looked like a lion. And um, <laughs> I... I was at university at the time and I, I had some sort of weird facial hair going on and Jit said it looked like me and for some reason it's stuck and yeah, it's still going strong. So that's, that's why unfortunately it's nothing more flattering, but um, yeah, you asked. I think the best nicknames are the ones that people don't really have any idea why they exist. They're the nicknames that work. Um, and, and that is a perfect example. That's fantastic. And it, clearly it works. It's stuck around for the best part of time. Yeah, it's, it's certainly difficult to shake off. I'm quite used to it now, though. I quite like it. <laughs> All good. All good. Sal, did you, um, do you want to say something about where we're going next week with our pod? Yeah, before, before we say goodbye to Luke, um, we are going to continue the theme of top quality batsmen. So we actually have two for the price of one next week. We've got two... Um, give a couple of clues here. I'm sure people will work out eventually who they are. Two guys last year who had a massive impact on um, North Middlesex to win the league. Um, two young batsmen as well. And we've managed to get both of them on next week as well. They both agreed to come on. So we're going to have two for the price one, as I said. Um, I'm really looking forward to having these two guys on next week. Um, and they can talk about, obviously, all sorts of cricket uh, from last year and also their current situations because they're both also at um, Middlesex as well. Good stuff. Good stuff. Um, Luke, it's been great having you on. Um, lo- loads of great insight there, um, as well as some, some really nice stories. So um, you, you are obviously, you know, providing we get a season, you're, you're playing in this coming season. You're ready and raring to go as and yeah. when we are all in Yeah, I'm going to go and play for Winchwell Hill again, actually. Um, so uh, I wasn't going to play any, any league cricket at all this year, but um, I'm, I'm really good friends with Della to Blanche and he's kind of asked me over the last few years um, ah. in the off season, whether I want to go back and play at the Hill. And I've always said no. And I thought, well, actually rather than sitting around, not doing anything, if I can play a few games for them and help them out, maybe in his absence and probably better, better use of my time. So um, plus it's, mm. yeah. And Della's on the mend, right? M- many people will know that he had, a, he's had a tough, uh, he had a tough 2019. Yeah. Yeah. To put it mildly. Um, he's, he's doing all right. Um, obviously it's life changing and he's, he's still the same guy. Um, 
but you know it's it's very sad what's happened and he's he's fighting very hard and he's making good progress and he's getting great great medical care as well um but yeah we just wish him all the best and hopefully he'll get down and watch a few games this season absolutely yeah i think fingers crossed and you know Fingers crossed, we do, we do get a season in, and, and you do get a few few games to play there. Um, come what may, we'll, we'll be um, continuing to pod through the season as well. We're, we're just for people who might be interested. We're, we're planning to have a podcast every Sunday evening where we um, we sort of chew the fat about the results, uh, about who's done what, who's not done what, um, and you know, there may come a time loop where we try and uh, try and twist your arm to get get you back on um, to, to give your give your views on the state of the county league uh, as things are hopefully hotting up, say in mid August, and we're. And we're looking at an entertaining title running. In the meantime, thanks again. We really appreciate it. Thanks, guys. See you soon. Cheers, guys. Take care.